0: You're listening to a sermon from Plus Life, a church that exists to see lives changed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. Our prayer is that you will be stirred in your heart and renewed in your mind as you hear the preaching of God's word today. I wanted to go ahead and tell someone the title of our first session this morning One Thing is Necessary. Tell them one thing is necessary. This morning, there's only one thing that's necessary. Plus, life. I, I I am so excited that we are finally here at our refocused retreat. We've been talking about this, not just for months, but years. Um, this has been in the works for quite some time. But of course, we know the the pandemic happened, and all this stuff has been happening, and been everything's been 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 pushed back. Uh, if you recall, our last retreat here, uh, and I see some people still wearing their their sweaters, right? You're still in 2019, whoever you are, you know, in 2023 now, buddy. You know. um, but uh, it was a great time, and uh, it was our first retreat here as a church, and now we're, we're back here. And, and the way that we have sort of themed our, our retreats moving forward is that we're going to be calling it Refocused Retreats. If you remember, when we were still a Bible study group in a basement, You know, just a bunch of Bible nerds in in our parents' basement gathering every other uh, weekend or so. We had a refocus retreat. And it wasn't a a getaway, but it was a weekend event. And um, we used it to really get our hearts and our minds right with the Lord once again. Again, to refocus even our will uh, with with the will of the Lord and get our lives in, in sync with Him and that's, that's a theme for these retreats that we're going to be doing moving forward. Um, again, with, with the busyness of life and experiencing hardships and trials and crises, we can become discouraged or we can become distracted. Uh, with everything that's going around in our world, of course, and with, with all these news that we hear, it can very, we, we can very much become unfocused, unaligned, from the will of God for our lives, the purposes and the plans for the, the plans that God has for our lives, and um, you know maybe it, that that looks like not being in the word the word of God enough, or maybe it's not being engaged in prayer in your prayer life enough, maybe it's not enjoying the presence of God in worship. Maybe you're standing there and you're you're singing the songs, but there's no connection between what you're singing and how your heart is feeling. Like I said, maybe life has got you straying away from the will and purposes of God, the call of God on your life. You know, no doubt, I, I, I feel that at times too as, a, as an adult, as a parent, as a husband. Life gets so busy, right? We get so many responsibilities and, and, and sometimes I feel like the vibrancy of my faith Uh, From the youth days, from the young days, from when I was younger, isn't uh, or has seemed to diminish or isn't like how it was before. So it's in these instances that we need times like these or retreats like this to refocus, to refocus our lives. And retreats, by the way, are very biblical, we see Jesus uh, after a very you know, hard-pressed ministry endeavor, after healing the sick, casting out demons, whatever it is, you would often find him in the Gospels going away by himself to spend time with the Father in prayer. In Mark chapter 6, we hear about after the disciples come back from their missionary adventures after being sent out by, by Jesus Himself. Uh, they come back to the Lord, and it says in Mark chapter 6, verse 31, he said to them, Come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. He invites the disciples to go and and, and take a retreat to rest. Uh, Somewhere away from all the people just to, to rest by themselves. Which also, by the way, in the Gospels coincides with the time in which Jesus heard the news that John the Baptist was beheaded. It says in the Gospel of Matthew when Jesus heard that his cousin John the Baptist was killed. It says that he withdrew from there in a boat to a desolate place by himself. Even the Savior himself went on these retreats. And that is the, this is the purpose for these getaways, by the way. It's to retreat with the Father. To get some isolated time with the Father. To rest with the Father. After you know a busy month, a busy year in ministry or in just your work life, your family life, it's important to get refreshed and get away. And of course to be restored. This was part of the reason why Jesus had to get away after hearing the death of his cousin, John the Baptist. It's to deal with the grievances. It's to deal with the mourning. This is the, the, the purpose for our refocus retreat uh, whenever we're going to have this. And this year, our theme for our refocused retreat is getting back, refocusing to the one thing. The one thing necessary that we just read about in our passage, Jesus says in, again in Luke chapter 10, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. But one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen a good portion which will not be taken away from her. From her. So my hope for us this weekend as we go through each session is that we examine what this one thing Jesus is talking about. And why is it so necessary, not just for for Martha to hear, but for us as believers in 2023. Also to deal with the, the many things, because like Martha, I'm sure a lot of you have been distracted by many things. A lot of you have probably wandered or lost focus on that one thing necessary that Jesus is talking about. And we're going to be discussing all of that in the next coming um, session. So the hope is that when we leave this place, when we go back on that three-hour commute to the city, three-hour plus, right, that we'll be able to have been refocused on that one thing that is necessary that Jesus mentions in our Passage that we are able to to keep focus on that one thing, despite having to go back to our jobs, our schools, the the many things that we have to deal with to, with our day to day life. But now, before we get into all of that, we need to understand what that one thing Jesus is talking about. What is that one thing that Jesus says is necessary in our passage? What did Jesus mean when he said one thing is necessary and that Mary had chosen the good portion which will not be taken away from her? You have to understand the weight of the Savior's word in words in that passage, right? Because for one thing he says, Mary has chosen the good portion. The original Greek there is agathos, meaning inherently good. Listen, in a fallen sinful world, not much is good. But yet, here is Jesus saying in our passage, right, that that Mary had chosen the good portion. This is the same gospel, by the way, where Jesus himself says, No one is good except God alone. So he's very particular about using that phrase, what is good? Not to mention whenever Jesus says the word good or refers to something being good throughout the Gospels, it's always often referring to something eternal or spiritual like good fruit, the good news, well done my good and faithful servant. These are terms or this, this phrasing agathos, this term of good is only used to describe something that is often spiritual or, or eternal. One clue as to what Jesus is possibly talking about here. Um, Right, is all that is, is also what he says afterwards to to Martha. This good portion that Mary had had chosen will not be taken away from her. In the Greek, it's actually more absolute than that cannot be taken away from her, impossible to be taken away from her, certainly never, certainly not be taken away from her. So we understand that whatever Jesus is talking about is not something material or tangible. It's something eternal, something spiritual. It's something absolute. And all you know, all of that to say is that whatever, again, what Jesus, this one thing that Jesus is talking about, it carries much weight, because Jesus is making these absolute, these eternal statements about it. So, what is this one thing necessary? It's like, come on, tell us already. What is this? We gotta wait. (laughs) We got three sessions. Gotta wait you got to pay for the entire retreat. You can't just get this one. You know? No. Uh, what is this one thing necessary? First, we have to understand the context in which Christ is, 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 is pointing to this thing and, and to understand what it's not first and foremost and, and really what hinders us from focusing our hearts and our minds to that one thing necessary. Let's get into the context of, or the meat of our passage First, And, you know, I've heard this passage preached many times before, and oftentimes the interpretation or the outcome, the conclusion of this this passage is that Martha is bad and Mary is good, right? Because Mary chose the good thing. And and I think there's some truth in that, but at the same time, that's not the full picture of what Jesus is trying to communicate in our passage. So let's break down our passage for us. Let's go to uh, verse 38 again to 39. Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. Now, this is the same Martha and Mary, by the way, that we see from the other Gospels, who has a brother named Lazarus, right? Everyone knows that story, hopefully. Uh, And of course, the city that Jesus is entering is Bethany. So now, let's let's keep going in verse uh, 40 of our passage. It says, but... Uh, Sorry, and she had a sister called Mary and who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. That's going to be important later on. But Martha was distracted with much serving and she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Now this is the, this is the verse 40 is where Martha really gets a bad rep, right? Because she goes up to Jesus and complains about her, Sister, and, and granted, the way that she complains to the Lord is kind of, you know, you don't talk to the king of, the king of kings like that. I mean, I mean look, at this, look at this passage, right? She starts with, Lord, do you not care? So first of all, the title of Lord means master, you're the king, right? Lord, do you not care that, you know, I'm serving my sisters? Not? And she goes, tell her, tell her to help me but you just call him king, you just call him Lord, and you're telling, now you're, you're, you're commanding him to, to tell your sister, not to mention, it, she, it, it's really, she's showing a presumptive heart, right? Like, do you not care? What do you mean, do, do I not care, right? Do you not care, Lord? Or, he, or at least, at the very least, she's trying to guilt trip Jesus in this passage, right? Lord, I'm doing all this work to serve you and your disciples, and, and here's my sister just sitting at your feet. Don't you care, Lord? Like, what was Jesus supposed to respond? Like, okay, I guess I'll tell Mary to help you out. I'm trying to guilt trip Jesus. Now, before we judge Mary, or sorry, Martha about how she responds and her her sort of her Or uh, or sentiments in our passage. Let's listen to two truths about this. First and foremost, right? First of all, we're just like Martha, right? All you people who just laughed just now at Martha's response, we're just like her in many ways. Especially when things get busy in our lives, when things get overwhelming, when things get when we enter trials and troubles and become anxious, oftentimes our questions to God are, are, you know, Lord, why? I'm a believer. Why am I going through this? How, how, how is this your love, right? Like, God, if you really care, then why am I going through these circumstances? And sometimes we even guise uh, sort of our, 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 our complaints in, in scripture and in faith. It's like, God, you said in your word that you would do this, so I expect you to do this. Same thing as Martha here. Lord, you should feel guilty that I'm the only one serving, therefore tell her to do this. It's like you're, oftentimes we're trying to twist God's arm into doing something, into moving on our behalf, especially when we're anxious, when we're troubled like Martha, or, or oftentimes when we're having a rough time and others are not, right? Why am I struggling and they're not, right? Right? Why is her husband so good-looking and, you know, mine just stays home and plays video games all day? Women, like, don't say amen to that, right? I don't don't want any brothers to feel bad here. Do something about it, God. Why is so-and-so's life so much better than mine? I'm a believer. I'm doing all of these things for you, Lord. How come my life is not like theirs? It's like you want others to suffer with you, right? That's often how it comes off. That's how this passage comes off, right? Martha is saying, I'm suffering, having to serve the disciples and Jesus. I want my sister Mary to suffer with me. I'm slaving away. I want want Mary to slave away with me. It's like we've been... It's interesting because it's like we've been conditioned to think that if we are suffering... God needs to act. It's like, we, let me say it again, it's like, it's like we've been conditioned to think, especially in our modern day, that if we are suffering, if we are, being, if we are going through trials, if we're going through troubles, that God needs to act. Otherwise, he's not God. But that's not how it works. Reality is, sometimes our suffering is the evidence of God moving in our lives. We see that throughout scriptures. We see that in the Apostle Paul's life, right? When he was struggling with a thorn and, and Jesus says, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in your weakness. Sometimes the suffering in our lives, the trials, the troubles that we're going through is evidence that God is refining us, that he's disciplining us, that he wants to display his power through us. So before we judge Martha... Really, she's just like us. She's very much relatable. So that's the first truth that we got to understand here. But at the same time, here's the second truth. Understand this about Martha. She was right. She was right. Imagine for a minute that the King of England, it's Prince, not Prince, sorry, King Charles now, right? Everyone, anyone watch the coronation last, right? Yay, Commonwealth, right, whatever. Uh, just the coronation happened, but imagine if the king of England came to your house, and you knew he was coming to your house, and despite your sentiments about him, I'm pretty sure you'd pull out the best china, you'd order the best Uber Eats, whatever it is, you'd pull out the best utensils, all of it just to, just to present it before the king of England just to show that same honor, the, 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 the respect that is due to that title and that position that he has. Now, listen, amplify that sentiment by infinity. Because here is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, Jesus Christ, entering into Bethany, into Martha's house. And it's not just Jesus, by the way, it's his disciples as well. So it was, So you can imagine the pressure on Martha. The Messiah has come to my house. I need to serve. I need to get all the chairs ready. I need to get all the food, make sure there's enough wine going around, whatever it is. So her her anxiety was in the right place, I would say. Her her, her desire to serve and her her desire to, to give the respect and honor to the Savior was in the right place. There was a lot of work to be done and here was her sister, not doing anything. The reality was the responsibility to prepare the house was both Martha and Mary's job. They both had to serve. They both had to wait on disciples and the Savior. And, 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 and in Jewish culture, and, and in fact many cultures, hospitality is and was a big thing. There is laws and customs built around just the idea of hospitality. Don't even forget that hospitality is a fruit of the believer. In 1 Peter 4, 9, it says, Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. Romans chapter 12, verse 13 says, Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 2 says, Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unaware." So, all of that to say, Martha's desire to serve, to organize her house, to get everything in order, because the master, because the king of kings was sitting in her living room, all of that was expected. All of that was expected. Martha was right. Again, you can imagine why her sentiments are what we read in our passage when she sees her sisters just sitting and doing nothing while she was having to run around. And you know, maybe some of you can relate to this, right? Wives, right? Maybe in preparation for this retreat, preparing for this weekend. You had to get all the bags packed, make sure you had all the the bug spray, the sunscreen. You had to make sure that you had the rain boots and the umbrellas and everything. Get everything together just to be, you know, for this long weekend, this retreat that we have. And meanwhile, your husband is like, I packed underwear. I'm ready to go. Mary should have been helping out. She was the younger sister. It was expected. But listen as Jesus will point out in our passage, what is expected is not always essential. What is expected is not always essential. And we'll come back to that. So what's the difference between Martha and Mary in this situation? Is it that Mary demonstrated some sort of pious spirit and sitting at the Lord's feet and learning from Him and being instructed. You know, I, I, there's a lot of religions, even traditions that preach that way, that, right, uh, how, how Mary was demonstrating how the faith is, all, is uh, it's all spiritual and loving the Lord. It's nothing physical and material. And monks have actually used this passage to promote asceticism and going away to cloisters and not being around other people and just studying the word for the rest of their life. No, I don't think that's it. I don't think that's what the message in our passage is. I don't think it has anything to do with simply sitting and learning from Jesus. That act of Mary sitting at Jesus' feet and learning from the Lord, it was just, it was just a factual statement. Jesus was just teaching. Mary was just learning. Jesus was sitting. Mary was sitting with him. Jesus was, was teaching and Mary was listening. That's all it was. But listen, I think if Jesus was fishing, Mary would be fishing with him. If Jesus was in the kitchen cooking, I think Mary would have been cooking alongside him. See, I've heard preachers preach and, and say that, you know, Martha is bad because she was, she was a busybody, right? had so many things and and she was so distracted. Well, Mary is good because because she was just sitting and doing nothing at Jesus' feet. And oftentimes the conclusion is drawn that God only cares about that one thing. God only cares about you sitting at his feet and learning from him and he doesn't care about the many busy things that you have to do. And I don't think that's what this passage is trying to communicate. Because the first thing we have to understand and see from this passage is that God cares about the many things. God cares about the many things. Look at Jesus' response to Martha back in verse 41. After Martha's made that complaint to the Savior, this is Jesus' response. The Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. That that Before we skip it, That repetition right in the beginning, Martha, Martha, that repetition denotes a gentleness, a care towards this woman. Oh, my dear sister. Oh, my dear friend. Martha, Martha. Christ's response to Martha is that of loving correction. It's not harsh rebuke. If it it was about religiosity, if it was about Martha's legalism and having to do all of these things, if, if, if Martha was bad for the many things that she had to or that she was busy doing, Jesus wouldn't hold back. He would have rebuked her to her face. We've seen Jesus do that to the Pharisees, to his to his disciples about legalism, about religiosity. He calls anybody out on their behavior. But here we see this care, this loving correction towards. Martha. He's being gentle. And again, this is after Martha tried commanding the Savior. But that repetition also denotes intimacy. There's a relationship there. Christ knew Martha and knew what she was anxious about. What she was troubled about. Christ intimately was aware of her worries. Of everything that troubled her. And, and again, the reason why I say this is because there are many Marthas out here. There's probably one sitting right beside you. Many Marthas out here who are busy with many things, who has a ton of things on their mind, who has, who has a, a ton of things on their plate. Many responsibilities. And listen, this passage, if that's you this morning, This passage does not invalidate the many things that is on your plate. It does not not lessen the worth or the value of the many things that is on your mind. This passage does not say that the many things that trouble you, that make you anxious, this passage does does not say that it's not important. It's important to understand that. Now, more than that, this passage says that Christ cares about the things that trouble your mind. That he's intimately aware of the many things that plague your thoughts, that worry your heart, that keep you up at night. The, Christ, the, the Savior is so intimately aware about what you're going through, the thing that stresses your mind. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6 It says, humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your cares on him because he cares for you. This is the word of God, the truth of God, assuring us that, you know, whatever it is that you've had to drive three and a half hours away from whether it's the bills, whether it's the, the the work at your desk, whether it's all the worries and concerns, the health issues, and other things that you got to worry about, you know, for some of us, I'm pretty sure it was hard to even come to this retreat, to find some time away from the busyness of life, to to make time and carve out time to just come this weekend. Whatever it is, your worries are valid and the Lord cares for them. He hears and he sees them and your concerns are heard by him, even if no one else does. But listen, right? Like Jesus, and this needs to be said, in the midst of the many things, the jobs, the kids, the bills, the mortgage, the debts, our career, planning for the future, in the midst of all of those many things, do not forget the one thing that is necessary. See, the problem is twofold here. The problem for Mar- Martha is twofold here. First, the problem wasn't that, that there was many things, but how Martha felt and responded towards those many things. Secondly, the problem wasn't that there, the, there was many things, but how the many things distracted Martha from that one thing. So a two-fold problem. The problem, again, isn't that, there was a, that, Mar- that Martha had so many things on her plate. That's not the issue here. We're, we're human beings living in a fallen world that have bills and mortgages to pay, and we have kids to take care of. That's not the issue. That's life. Problem is her perspective towards all of that. The second issue is that is how those problems and how those perspectives took her away from that one thing that was necessary. Those are the two issues that Jesus is trying to address here. What did Jesus say? Remember, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. It's interesting that in the original Greek, the word for anxious is merimnao, meaning to be distracted, to, to to have cares for multiple things to be drawn really in, more 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 uh, literally to be drawn in opposite directions divided in two parts that's the, what that's what anxiety means in the original Greek. That you're being you're going to pieces because you're being drawn in different directions by the problems, by the by the cares. And then the word for troubled in the original Greek is thorebdo, to be be greatly disturbed, to be terrified, to be struck with panic. So here was Martha being pulled apart but in different directions and she was panicking and she was agitated, she was disturbed. I have to do the dishes, I need to serve the food, I need to care for the master and his disciples, I got to do this, I got to do that. And that pulled her away from that one thing that was necessary. And here's the one thing. Listen to this. The one thing, the one thing that was necessary, the one thing that is necessary for us this weekend is to simply be in Christ's presence. That's it. To be in the presence of Christ. See, in the midst of her serving and her running around and the many things that was on her plate, Martha failed to stop and simply be in Christ's presence. Because listen, if she did, if she did stop and sat at Christ's feet like Mary and looked into the Savior's eyes and heard his his words, do you really think her response would be, Lord, do you not care for me? if she had actually sat in the presence of the Savior, the King of the universe, do you think her response would be, tell my sister to do something? Lost sight of it. I mean, do you think for anybody here, do you really think that if any of us stopped and gazed upon the beauty of the holy, holy, holy God, the creator of the universe, that our our response would be be nothing more than I am unclean, a sinner, and that I want more of you. That's what happens when you're in the presence of the Holy God. Those two things I'm a sinner, cleanse me, and I want more of you. Again, the problem is that the many things that Martha had on her plate kept her from being present. In Christ's presence. And as a result, she stopped seeing him as Lord. Became anxious and troubled. How am I going to get all this work done? How am I going to feed all these disciples? Listen, you're literally in the room with with the guy who fed 5,000 people with five loaves of of bread and two fish. Right? And she's worried about how she's going to feed everyone. Same thing for us. Same thing for us whenever we get stressed. When we spend extended amounts of time away from God's presence, that being in in the word, in prayer, in seeking his will, seeking his voice, seeking his strength for the day to day, when we spend extended amounts of time away from God's presence, we become anxious, we become troubled, just like Martha. There's a direct correlation between the amount of stress that we have in our life and the amount of time that we spend with the Lord. The less time, the more stress. And again, Martha's problem is, is really a lot of our problems. You know, especially, again, for us who have so many responsibilities, so many things that we've got to deal with, for those who are in ministry, for those who are serving even, doing a lot of things for the lord without actually being present with the lord oftentimes for those who have been serving in ministry for quite some time there's a disconnect between what we do for god and really if we are truly doing it for god we become disillusioned maybe and we start to do it for just to keep up appearance because I'm part of this ministry I got to do this it's my job it's I'm in charge of this. It becomes a disconnect between what we're doing with our hands and the posture of our hearts towards our Savior. There's inconsistencies between what we are doing for the Savior and how much time we actually stop to simply be with the Savior. It's like we're like vultures, right? Just circling around the corpse and all of us just circling around the Savior with the many things, but not actually being present with the Savior. And listen, here's the a, here's, here's a second truth that we have to understand from our passage. God calls us to that one thing. God calls us to that one thing. He even says in, in our past, right, that one thing is necessary. It's being present in his presence. That is necessary. It's essential. It is required Even the Son of God Himself, Jesus Christ, like I said, after a great ministry endeavor, after healing the sick, after doing ministry, He had to go back to the presence of the Father by Himself to refuel, to recharge, to come back to that intimacy. In the Old Testament, the Israelites wandering in the wilderness, we know that story, they did not move in the wilderness until. The pillar of cloud or the pillar of fire, which was the symbolism for the presence of God, moved. They would not move until it moved. They pursued, they followed after the presence of God. That one thing that we are talking about and want to get back to when we focused on this, this weekend is the Lord's presence. To be present in His presence. Let me show you, let me give you some more uh, evidence to, to what this one thing is. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Psalm 27. Psalm 27. The Psalm of David. We'll be looking at this on Sunday. But I love this. Let me read this for you. Psalm 27, the Psalm of David, The Lord is my light and my salvation, whom shall I fear? The Lord is a stronghold of my life, of whom shall I be afraid? And here's, listen to this verse 2, When evildoers assail me to eat up my flesh, my adversaries and foes, it is they who stumble and fall. Though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war arise against me, yet I will be confident. The things that David just listed out are things that he should be stressed about. Physical enemies that are trying to kill him and camp around him. He should be stressed about that. He should be acting and behaving like Martha. But look at verse 4. One thing have I asked of the Lord that will I seek after that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. That one thing, above all else, instead of asking for the Lord for rescue from his enemies, instead of asking the Lord for freedom from his burdens and the trials that he was going through, the one thing that David asked for is in the house of the Lord where God's presence was. Because that's where his refuge was. That's where his help was. And we see that tangibly in our passage with Mary. Mary was literally sitting at the Savior's feet. in, in At the feet of God incarnate. Again, it, it, it's, it's why it's not about... It's not simply... You know, just, it's not simply about learning and listening to the teachings of Jesus. Again, if Jesus was climbing a volcano, Mary would have been there with him. If Jesus was walking on water, the desire is to be on the water with him. What matters is not the activity, but being present with the Savior in that activity, in where he is. Wherever Jesus is, that's where I want to be. That's what David is saying in this this psalm there. That one thing is to be present in God's presence. That's what is necessary for us this weekend, church. Brothers and sisters, and you know, for whatever reasons that you have come on this retreat, maybe it's to get away from work a bit, Maybe it's to hang out with friends, fellowship with brothers and sisters. Maybe it's, I don't know, to go sunbathing. Sorry, clouds. Whatever the reason is that you have for coming this weekend, take the time to be in the presence of God. To be present in God's presence. If that means solitude, Getting away from everyone? Locking yourself up in your cabin just so that you can weep before God about the concerns and trials you have in your life? Do it. You have my permission. If it means getting up early, just to be in the Word again, just to be in prayer again, listen, that's why you're here. Parents, grandparents even, if you're thinking, oh, but I have kids. Ugh. Kids, am I right? <sighs> and, and you know what? You don't have time to, to get away with the Lord because you have kids. Listen, we have volunteers. <laughs> we have team members. We want you to have that time for yourself and the Lord. Spend time with the Lord, and listen. If you're a team member, and you're singing, if you're, you're saying, "But I need to serve," Martha, Martha. <laughs> listen, the camp will not blow up if you stop serving. I will assure you that. Okay, there's a fire extinguisher over there. Other people can serve. This weekend is for you to be in the presence. Of God, to be intentional, to take the opportunity to be present in God's presence. Listen, you've you've driven close to four hours to get out of the city. You have no reception. Wi Fi is spotty. You got no excuse no TikToks or Instagrammers or whatever it is. But, Pastor, you're it so hard. I get it. It's so hard. There's so many things. But what did Jesus say here? What did Jesus say in our passage? Verse 41, let's take it from there. The Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. And listen to this. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. Mary has chosen the good portion. We, here's the last truth that we have to understand from the passage. We can choose the one thing. We can choose the one thing. You know, I, I was tempted to go into the theological doctrine of the depravity of man this morning and talk about how in our depravity we could not choose the things of God, but now that we've been draw, brought out of darkness into his marvelous light, we can choose the things of God. But we're on a retreat, and uh, we need a break from... Well, I'll save that for next weekend. <laughs> but all of that to say is that believers, brothers and sisters, you can choose. You can choose to be in the presence of God. But really, our problem isn't choosing God's presence. Our problem is often that we conflate what is expected to what is essential. Sacrifice was expected, but Jesus said obedience is better than sacrifice. We're expected to serve, but more importantly, we're required to spend time with the Lord. We're expected to fellowship with brothers and sisters this weekend, but our fellowship with the Savior is more important. That's where we draw our our love our care for our brothers and sisters when our fellowship with the Lord is cared for. We conflate what is expected with what is essential and oftentimes as well. We confuse what is accessory accessory to what is necessary. We consider doing things of God or, or acts of services as a thing that is very important, as a thing that is necessary. You know, something that my wife always reminds me of and I'm thankful for her, is that, you know, before I am a, a, a preacher or a servant, I am God's son. The same thing for everyone in this room. Before you are a servant, before you are a deacon or an elder uh, an instrument player up here you are first a child of god and that needs to be taken care of don't confuse what is accessory to it, to what is necessary again oftentimes we think that you know doing the things that we are doing in the service of god is being with god is being present with god sometimes it is but Sometimes if we get into the rut of things, we just get, we get lost in just doing the things. becomes mechanical. You know, I think a good example of this is so, so today, by the way, is mine and Faye's fifth anniversary of being married. Yes. Praise God for giving her grace to put up with me for these five years. But something that is <laughs> funny one of our earliest fights when we were married. When I first married, is that Faye, you know, complained to me that, you know, we're not going on dates anymore. We're not spending time together anymore. And I'm like, but we do groceries together. (laughs) We go to to oceans, you know, and pick out food together. That's spending time, isn't it? What do you want from me? (laughs) Oftentimes, that's, that's what we think, too, when it comes with God but I'm doing this for you, Lord. I'm I'm, I'm doing this. I'm here, and here's my ministry, Lord. But the heart needs to be there. The connection needs to be there. Spending time in his presence needs to be there. Again, those many things are important. We've said that, right? Serving is important. Your task, your ministry, your duty is important, but they're not necessary. And you'll get a... Listen... You'll get a better perspective on those things that you are doing, the ways that the 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 ministries that you're serving in. The more you spend time with the Savior, the more you spend time in God's presence. You'll get a, a new focus, a refocus on why you're doing the things that you are doing. So, church, the challenge for us this weekend, as I close, is choose. Choose to be present in his presence. Thanks for listening. We hope that you were blessed by the sermon today. If you would like to learn about the gospel or know more about our church, please visit pluslifepeople.com. Remember to subscribe for more content. Until next time, stay blessed.